Hi, this is Bernie Dake. Welcome to the Salvation Army's Words of Life. The aftermath of a natural disaster leaves individuals and families in fear of what tomorrow may bring. However, after a crisis, the Salvation Army focuses on serving the whole person, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our national network of trained disaster staff and volunteers can be sent to wherever they are needed, prepared to serve first responders and survivors. No matter how big or small, your donation makes a difference. Visit HelpSalvationArmy.org to offer your support. Welcome back to Words of Life. I'm Cheryl Gillum, and I'm with... Bernie Dick. Welcome, Thanks, Welcome, Bernie. It's good to be home. Yeah. You know, we're here in our second week of our series, Pathways, with Major Mike Harris. Throughout this series, we're discussing our thought life as Christians. Last week, Mike discussed the Wesleyan quadrilateral, which was John Wesley's philosophy of how a Christian should develop their theology through scripture, tradition, experience, and reason. This week, Mike continues by simply asking why our thoughts matter. So, Cheryl, how do you differentiate the role of our heart versus our mind, not biologically, but spiritually? Mm. Well, I think that our minds are the access point into our heart. That's kind of how I differentiate them. The things, thoughts come into our mind, and the more that we kind of marinate on them or believe them, you know, the more it kind of gets down deeper into our heart and it becomes mm. actually something, it becomes a part of our belief system. Yeah. And it's not, doesn't mean it's true just because you. No, nope, doesn't mean it's true, but, it. but that's, then that becomes a heart issue or a heart um, thing that you have to begin to deal with. Yeah. This comes up later too when he talks about just trying to, why we need to know what the Bible says. Right. In its context. Right. Uh, and how that affects us. Uh, because it, it it is one a spiritual issue can become a biological issue. I mean, we mm-hmm. those things become me- mental health has be- become such an apparent thing over the co- course of these last eighteen months that um, I just think it's so important that we saturate our minds with the truth. Yeah, right. Because again, that truth is the access point into our heart, which yeah. is where we live out of. Because you'll read in Proverbs where it says, "Guard your heart." with all diligence, for out of it flows the wellsprings of life, mm. you know, but it begins in the mind. And where that light is, the light of God, the word of mm-hmm. truth that we can get mm. rid of the darkness. That's right. I yep. like that. That's a good illustration. Mm-hmm. Well, as we dive into this important subject, we'd love to hear your thoughts, questions, anything you'd like Mike to elaborate on, please send us an email, radio at uss.salvationarmy.org, or call us at one 800 229 9965. Hi, I'm Megan Hoffer, and I want to invite you to check out another show brought to you by the Salvation Army. Heartbeat is a one-minute show about real life. Heartbeat touches on topics ranging from finances and prayer to dating and mental health. If money is important to God, then it should be important to us. In the Bible, Recently, God I began feeling like my life was on autopilot. The alarm goes off, get ready for work, Battle the morning commute, rush to get home. If you are looking for a short message of hope to challenge you and brighten up your day, subscribe to Heartbeat wherever you get your podcasts or visit salvationarmysoundcast.org.
Well, hello, this is Major Mike Harris again, and we're doing another session on our series called Pathways, where we're, we're looking at the importance of thought life. And today, we're asking the question, why do thoughts matter? Why do thoughts matter? I say to you that our ability to reason, to think, may be the greatest expression of love that there is. If you go back to Genesis chapter 2, I love Genesis chapter 2. It's this image of total perfection. It is absolutely wonderful. And as you picture Genesis chapter 2, maybe even close your eyes as I'm doing right now, you can have this image of this, of this paradise, four rivers running, the Pishon, the Gishon, the, the Euphrates, and the Tigris, all these rivers running through, just nourishing the ground. And everything is green, trees and bushes everywhere. It's just absolutely glorious. And it also says in Genesis 2 that God got Adam to name the animals. And so as Adam is naming the animals, we get this image that even nature is at one with man. There's no fear between man and animal. It is absolutely perfect. Everything in unison, everything in union. And very significantly, in fact, most importantly of all, man is at one with God. We read in Genesis how God would take a walk through the garden in the cool of the evening. This incredible image of oneness. And of course, also in Genesis 2, we see the creation of woman. Therefore, the creation or the finish of the perfection, if you will, uh, that God had created there. And of course, we also know that there was one caveat in the midst of all this. Yes, in the middle of the garden, there were these two trees, the tree of life. Had Adam and Eve not sinned, they could have had access to that tree and still be alive in perfection to this day. But of course, we also know there was that second tree, that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Nonetheless, by the end of Genesis, we knew the rules, or Genesis 2, excuse me, we knew the rules, and we saw that perfect garden. What we also don't see in Genesis 2 is any independent thought of man. There's nothing that pertains to the way that Adam and Eve were thinking. That shifts immediately in Genesis chapter 3. You know the story. The serpent comes along, starts to talk to Adam and Eve, starts talking about that tree, and Eve says, oh, we can't touch that one. No, no, we'll surely die if we touch that one. And the serpent says, no, you won't surely die. God just doesn't want you to think like he thinks. And then it says this. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Therefore, the first sin, very sadly, the first decision of a rebellious mind was to disbelieve God. God says you will surely die. The serpent says, no, that's not going to happen. Adam and Eve believed the serpent over God. The first decision made of a rebellious mind was to disbelieve God. And it was also the first time that mankind had thought independently from God. And of course, therefore, the first consequence was a separation from God. And now we had learned to think independently of God, and quite frankly, all hell broke loose. Adam and Eve had children. Oh, we know this story, don't we? Cain and Abel. They make sacrifices before God. Abel comes out and sacrifices the fat portion of the newborn lambs, and that pleased God. Then along comes Cain, and he presents some fruit and vegetables that did not 
please God, he rejected that sacrifice. And what happened next? Well, Cain's mind starts to wander. He was upset that his sacrifice had been rejected. So he hatched this plan to lure his brother away and kill him. And now murder had entered the hearts of mankind. So you can quickly see that our thoughts are not only important, but they are also the catalyst of terrible things that firmly go against God's will. So how can we change it? How can we improve it? How can our thoughts align with God like they once were in the Garden of Eden? Well, of course, the answer is, and it's the answer to everything that's good, the answer is Jesus. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, the lost heart, the lost mind. And he went to great lengths to accomplish it. And his method was self-sacrifice. Listen to this paraphrase. I've got it from Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, and it's offered by Eugene Peterson in the message, and this is how he phrases that portion of Scripture. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but, but didn't think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came... He set aside the privileges of deity and and took on the status of a slave, becoming human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. The worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Jesus chose to die this way so that our hearts and our minds might be realigned. And that level of sacrifice was needed in order that man could be returned to its original state of oneness with God, with a pure heart and with a sound mind. You see, our thoughts are that important, that important that Christ died for them. Because the heart and the mind are completely intertwined, a reflection of each other. In Matthew chapter 16, the Pharisees came challenging Jesus and the disciples, not for the first time and not for the last time, but this time they were bothered because the disciples didn't wash their hands before they ate. Sounds rather like an issue a person would have with a nine-year-old, but the washing of the hands was a tradition, and the disciples were not keeping that tradition. To which Jesus responded, and I say this with something of a smile, he said to the Pharisees, Are you so dull? Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. So again, we see in that portion in Matthew where Jesus is saying, out of an evil heart basically come evil thoughts. But out of a pure heart, a heart that is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, come thoughts that are pure and consistent with the will of God. One of the dangers that we see in our world today more than ever is we are trying to manage and dictate people's thoughts. If God allowed Adam and Eve the ability to think to the point that they rebelled against God himself, then we have to respect 
another person's free will, their ability to think as they want to think. We don't have to agree with it. We don't have to like it. But we have to accept it as a magnificent symbol of God's love. Now, it doesn't say that anyone's thought process is right or wrong. It just says we have the right to think as we want to. But on our part, we need to allow our redeemed, changed and pure hearts to speak louder to this world, making our actions and words more persuasive. And we must be vigilant in protecting our thoughts and making them captive to Christ. Friends, therefore, in our thought process, in our actions, we need to be the example and show people what it is to be like Christ. The Salvation Army's mission, Doing the Most Good, means helping people with material and spiritual needs. You become a part of this mission every time you give to the Salvation Army. Visit SalvationArmyUSA.org to offer your support, and we'd love to hear from you. Email us at radio at uss.salvationarmy.org. Call 1-800-229-9965 or write us at P.O. Box 29972, Atlanta, Georgia, 30359. Tell us how we can help. Share prayer requests or share your testimony. We would love to use your story on the air. You can also subscribe to our show on iTunes or your favorite podcast store. And be sure to give us a rating. Just search for the Salvation Army's Words of Life. Follow us on social media for the latest episodes, extended interviews, and more. And if you don't have a church home, we invite you to visit your local Salvation Army Worship Center. They'll be glad to see you. This is Bernie Dake inviting you to join us next time for the Salvation Army's Words of Life.